It's time for JT the Brick. How we doing? Baby, I'm great, JT. How are you doing? I'm not a journalist. I'm an opinionated sports talk host. We have a goal. We have ideas. We know exactly what we want to do here. Just win, baby. The Raiders' schedule is brutal. It's a second-place schedule that's front-loaded heavy and back-loaded heavy. The fans of the Raider Nation. Sound off like you got a pair. JT the Brick. I'm talking about the notorious ones, the out-of-control fans, the passionate fans. All of you fans are invited to be a part of the show. I'd like you to come in big and come in with a purpose. And that's it. Use the phone like a weapon. Enjoy everything we do. And please always feel welcome to call in and to tweet and to be a part of the show. Fair enough? And now, here's JT the Brick. Welcome back. Hour number two of the show. JT here as we roll on. Hope everybody's doing well and everybody's excited And we're ready to roll here. Virgin Hotels has train performing here. A lot of guys want to go with their uh, wives, girlfriends, partners to see train. We highly recommend it. You go see train, you go have a good time, and then you go to the shag room, go to any of the restaurants. I find myself at Virgin Hotels every weekend. You know, I work weeknights, work weekdays with the Raiders on the weekend. But Virgin Hotels with the restaurants, the entertainment, the theater, everything that they do there, a great time. Go check it out. And go see everything that happens inside Virgin Hotels. So Vinny's going to join us in a minute. Dave Ziegler spoke to the media. He spoke to myself a couple weeks ago. Remember, he came in studio for 20 minutes, gave us a lot. And then today he spoke to the media in Sarasota, Florida, where the Raiders are there in preparation for Jacksonville. As we do our deep dive into Jacksonville, it's really a sports emergency, as I say. You know, they got to win the game. And they've had to win a lot of games this year, and they've been close. I talked to an individual today who said something really interesting to me. He said, JT, if the team would have beat Arizona and held on and beat Kansas City up 17 to nothing, the Raiders are one of the most talked about teams in the league. I said, whoa, I didn't look at it that way because they have two other wins. They'd have four and they wouldn't have beat Kansas City. It was a completely different way of looking at the Raiders. But we can't do that because we don't do woulda, coulda, shoulda radio. But think, think about that. You know, every sky's falling. Oh my God, they can't win a game. Couldn't get past the fifty-yard line in New Orleans. Let me ask you something: If the Raiders beat Kansas City and they held on to beat Arizona, who they should have buried, do you think they would have got past the fifty in New Orleans? I think they would have. I think a lot of this has to do with the team now and their energy level and what they're expected to do. And again, you got to put the pressure on the players now. The players have to step up and be in a situation where they could shine and play better football. Let me repeat that as I bring in Vinny Bonsignor. The players have to figure this out, especially the captains. Vinny joins us in Sarasota. So, Vinny, I went on that trip a few years ago on the way to Miami. Sarasota's fantastic. I know it's a work trip for you, but the Raiders stay in a really nice environment there. What's it like covering the team this week? Yeah, uh, no, it's, I, I love Sarasota. It's one of the hidden, hidden gems. Um, if you've never been out to Sarasota, to anybody that uh, is listening, uh, to all our listeners, uh, make a point to come out here at some point. And Siesta Beach is one of the most beautiful beaches in the world, uh, right on the Gulf of Mexico. But like you said, it is a work trip, and uh, the Raiders just wrapped up uh, their practice for today over at the IMG Academy. And, um, you know, uh, interesting talking to guys and kind of trying to, you know, get, get a sense of where their head is after the debacle that happened uh, on Sunday and the need to kind of flush it as quickly as possible, but also learn from it. Uh, I think there was an awakening that happened on Sunday uh, with the Raiders seeing what real urgency and real desperation looked like 
on the part of the Saints, and they didn't match it. And that's a um, that's something that I think sticks is sticking with them a little bit. Uh, you know, the reaction, the negative reaction that they've gotten. Heck, people have been talking about whether Josh McDaniel should still be the coach. Uh, they don't want to go through that again. And the way you avoid that is by coming out and playing with desperation and urgency. And I agree with you. I think that's all on the players. And it comes down to also execution. I was talking to Derek Carr about this uh, just a little while ago. Um, you know, that urgency needs to be there on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, understanding your assignments, understanding your role, what you need to do on each play uh, against each front and everything that you're seeing from the other team's offense. I don't know if that was necessarily the case uh, across the board uh, on Sunday against the Saints. And I think the, the Raiders learned a pretty hard lesson as a result of that. Vinny Bonsignor joins us from Sarasota, Florida. So in regards to them being not being prepared or not, and the energy level, I thought Josh McDaniels, after his meeting with Mark Davis, came in and owned that quickly. He said, he, I've never heard of a coach apologize to the Raider Nation. I've seen coaches disappointed in the play and mention the Raider fans, but that was a fair and full-out apology. Now I want to get back to what you saw from the press box when the team came out of the tunnel, and again, I know you don't have binoculars looking at everyone's body language, but what the hell was going on considering New Orleans looked like they wanted to run through a wall for Dennis Allen, and they were jumping up and down, and Kamara had smelling salts on the field? I mean, it just looked like their energy level was so much more dramatic than the Raiders. Yeah, and and that's why you know Josh felt that uh, uh, an apology was warranted, and I know that he owned it. Um, and, and, you know, he shouldered it. Uh, but the reality is uh, this is on the players. And, um, you know, the reason for the apology in a big-picture sense is he knows this team is better than that. This team knows they're better than that. That's not what they uh, – the, the way they played over the first six games of the season. Uh, you know, even though the results weren't there, they were competitive in every single game. They probably dropped a game that or two that they probably should have won – uh, but they played hard. Uh, the results weren't there, but it wasn't that for a lack of effort or anything like that. Um, this, what happened on Sunday, was all about really effort and energy and, and not playing with the necessary uh, sense of urgency. And you think about you know, what you just said about the Saints. Well, the Saints were in the same boat as the Raiders mm-hmm. from a record perspective uh, in terms of maybe underachieving a little bit or not getting the results that they wanted and understanding the moment. Like, it's got to get turned around right now there's no more easing into this there's no more trying to figure it out as you go along it's, it's desperation time if you want to make something of this season and that's what the saints did that's what the raiders didn't do and uh i i, I do not believe that was reflective of who the raiders really are uh, and i I'm, I'm 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 not going to predict that we're going to see a complete turnaround mm-hmm. on sunday but i'd be shocked uh, if, if anything similar happens uh, against the Jaguars on Sunday. Vinny Bonsignor, before we get to Dave Ziegler and hit your conversation and him talking to the media, I see Devontae on the injury list with illness limited. And we'll, we'll, I'll double-team this with Waller to get your comments on Waller today. But when I see Devontae with one reception for three yards and then the illness, which was serious last week and it's still here, could, I, could we just say that Devontae was sick, significantly sick because – Again, those numbers, we'll never see anything like that again. What's the status with Devontae Adams? What's going on here? Yeah, um, you know, talk to him afterwards. Uh, you know, was he 100%? I mean, I'm not a doctor, but mm. 
what you just said about the numbers, I think rings true. Um, I don't. So if I'm, if I was to guess and make an educated guess, no, he was not completely healthy yes. uh, in that game. Obviously, he wasn't in any danger or anything like that. I don't want to say anything like that. Uh, but from a from you know, was he completely healthy um, and and right? No. Um, and I think everything about that game, the way he played, and his numbers, pretty much verifies that. The other, you know, potential problem um, or or factor. I don't think Derek Carr was completely healthy either. Um, mm-hmm. I think he has a back injury that he's dealing with right now. Um, he told me today that it's, it's better this week than it was last week. Uh, he's never going to come out uh, and, and say it or use it as an excuse. But if you watch him, the way he was throwing the ball on Sunday and the way he was moving around on Sunday, there's no doubt in my mind, uh, and I know this, uh, he was dealing with something and probably a little more serious in terms of the pain uh, that he'll ever let on. Uh, but and, and again, not making any excuses because everybody's dealing with injuries right now. Uh, but to say that there was nothing to it or it didn't have any kind of an effect on how he played, I think that would be naive as well. Vinny Bonson, you're joining us. And Darren Waller, you know, I, I'm not accurate on this, too. I was just talking to fans and watching the game at the end when he came out to warm up and there was a chance he would play and then he doesn't play. I'm not saying it takes the air out of the locker room, but it changes everything. He plays, and he plays in that game. There's a double team on him, and he's catching third downs and pitch and catch third and eights right over the middle without him with the defense shifting, and Devontae was going to have the double team. But it doesn't open up anything for Hunter Renfro. It doesn't help out Max Hollins. What can we expect, and what's going to happen with Darren Waller going forward? He just got paid a boatload of cash. I never criticize a player when they're injured, but I'm wondering if he's going to be able to play through this hamstring at some point. Well, and, and um, you know, I think it's important to note that a lot of this is also predicated on what the medical staff is seeing and the mm-hmm. training staff is seeing. I watched that, um, you know, uh, training session that he went through the entire in its entirety on Sunday. I was there at the stadium watching, and they put him through a battery of tests. And I have been doing this long enough to know that the trainers, whatever the player might be saying, the trainers are usually much more... Um, they're, they're, they're much more practical and much more honest about the situation. So, um, you know, uh, I, I would, I would uh, be cautious about putting this all on Darren. I think there's decisions that are being made in his best interest as well. Let's just mm-hmm. put it that way. Um, and, I, and so I think that from the Raiders' perspective, they understand how important Darren Waller is to this team. And they understand how important not exposing him uh, and, and, and potentially putting him in harm's way where they're going to lose them for a month or two months or something like that, because these are tricky uh, injuries. I know, you know, to the average layman person or whatever, well, it's a hamstring. You know, I go to work every day. Yeah, but you're not a world-class athlete that's being asked to, you know, explode off of that leg and cut at a, you know, 100 miles, you know, uh, um, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, And and that's that's what the danger is with an injury like this. By putting so much pressure on it to do what he needs to do to be successful, that could be a problem. And I think the Raiders are being prudent with that with that situation. Um, based on what I saw, I mean, I, I felt like he was closing in, and he looked good today. Uh, so I think he's, I think he is closing in on on a return. But I don't think the Raiders are going to, you know, put results over prudence at all. As important as Darren Waller is to this team. Uh, they're going to make sure that he's okay before they get him out on that on that field, and 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 not only you know risk losing um, him to them, 
but also you know putting a player uh, in, in in any kind of danger. Vinny Bonsignor, as we wrap up. Yes, Vinny Bonsignor joins us as we wrap it up. So. We've both been privy to some private conversations with Dave Ziegler. You tell your readers and your radio audience like I do what we think of him. I'm impressed with his vision, why he got hired, where he's been, how he's trying to rebuild the scouting department, the players he took over and all that, but the team's 2-5. and You had a chance with other colleagues to sit down with him today. Give me your big picture on what Dave had to say to you guys and what your takeaway was. I think the big picture, and you know, I, and I asked him about this, um, it's that he shares the frustration. Um, you know, as, as much as this is eating at Raider Nation and Raider fans who have endured, um, you know, two decades of, of not-so-good football, um, he gets it and he understands it. And it's eating at him just as much as it's eating at any fan uh, out there. He wants to win, and he wants to win now. But there's also, and I've been, you know, kind of stressing this as, as just a journalist observing the Raiders and the Raiders situation, there, all, there also is a big picture uh, that's involved here, and we're barely into that big picture. It's seven games, one off season, one draft where you know he didn't even have his entire crew there. They were most of the scouts that were still there had been scouting for a previous regime and a different way of looking at things. I'm not making any excuses for them at all, but but you know when you're talking about a big picture between he and Josh McDaniels uh, and what the Raiders are striving to do here. Um, you can't freak out. You can't um, be impulsive. You can't be impatient. Um, and you can't make rash decisions based on a seven-game uh, segment. You know, So that's why, talking about trades, yes, they were in on a whole bunch of different things. Uh, talked to every team in the league and you know, got close on, on certain things. But he wasn't willing uh, and isn't willing to jeopardize anything from that big picture just to put a Band-Aid on something right now. Um, he's looking at the big picture, and he has to look at the big picture. He's, he mentioned this quite a few times today, and I know this to be the case. You know, Dave Ziegler and, and Josh McDaniels were brought in to improve a culture, change a culture, change this organization, and put this organization uh, on a path to prolonged success. Uh, and it takes time to do that. You know, there were, I counted it today, there's 25 players on this team, this year's team that was here last year. That means there's over 30 players that they had to bring in, um, you know, uh, uh, to this roster this year. Why is that? Well, they've had one draft pick over the last since 2019, one first round pick uh, that that's 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 that's, that's you know uh, produced at a, at a at a nice level. And that's Josh Jacobs. Their last three first round picks aren't even on the team. There's two players from a seven player draft class in 2020 uh, that are here. The rest are gone. And that includes two first-round picks and Damon Arnett uh, and Henry Ruggs. All the free agent signings that the Raiders had, save for maybe Nelson Aguilar um, and Unique Ngakwe, uh, who didn't quite fit um, you know, with what they were doing here, all those were busts. Let's be honest about it. So when you talk about having to add 30 new players to a roster, why is that? It's because they didn't draft well, they didn't trade well, they didn't bring in uh, the right types of free agents. And so it left a lot of holes on this roster. Now, granted, this team did make the playoffs last year. But even that deserves a little bit of perspective. You know, they had to go on a miraculous four-game winning streak that nobody, you know, could have predicted. A bunch of those games needed game-winning field goals at the end. They also needed the Chargers to collapse and some other teams around the league to collapse. So, yeah, yeah, they made the playoffs. But were they a playoff team, a perennial playoff team? Obviously not, because look at the changeover that had to occur on this roster to replace guys that just weren't working out. So 
in that big picture, you have to look at where that roster is right now, where it was, and the work that needs to be done to correct this so that it's not just a team that sneaks into the playoffs, you know, with a miraculous mm-hmm. four-game winning streak at the end, but a team that perennially um, you know, competes for playoff spots and beyond. And beyond, and he mentioned this, is Super Bowl. That's what the goal is, not to just get into the playoffs, not to sneak into the playoffs, but to be a strong playoff team year after year after year and competing for Super Bowls. That's the big picture. When, so when fans ask that, what's the big picture? That's the big picture. And they're mm-hmm. not going to sacrifice anything right now um, you know, in order to, to – they're not going to sacrifice that long-range picture just to get better results at this very moment. Great analysis. Last one on the Jaguars. So I, I can't predict. I can't predict what's going to happen. I really can't now. I'm almost down on it. I want them to start fast. I think they can, but everything that could go wrong this year, could go wrong, has gone wrong. It's just, it's, it's a nightmare from Kyler Murray to the two-point conversion against Kansas City. Could have won those games, have the ball against Tennessee. It goes through Waller's hands. I want something positive to happen in this game. And Dennis Allen, I nailed it. He easily was going to take Josh Jacobs out of the last game. That was his vision. He told everybody they were going to do that, and the Raiders couldn't react. What do you think Jacksonville's going to try to do to the Raiders after the New Orleans films that the Raiders can match up well in Jacksonville and do to exploit them? Yeah, um, and I think you know the, 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 the Jaguars defense is going to present some, uh, some problems. Um, I, I, I have a hard time believing the Raiders are going to play that bad uh, offensively. Yes, part of it was Dennis Allen doing what he did, um, you know, and, and having a, uh, a a great vision and a great game plan put together. But also, a lot of it was also the execution or the lack of urgency that I think some players played with uh, on Sunday. My biggest concern with the Raiders is their defense. Um, you know, and, and you know, they, they, they've tried to change things up. Um, they've tried to lessen some things that they were trying to do. Um, you know, uh, to, to put players in, in, a, in a better position to carry out their responsibilities, you know, but w- w- when you look at the numbers this year, they just haven't been there. And it wasn't just on Sunday. I mean, I know their offense played bad on Sunday, but it, it drove home the point that the offense can't afford a bad game because this defense right now isn't able to pick up the slack. Um, and so going into this Jacksonville Jaguars game, I would expect you know, the, the Jaguars to attack the defense the way every team has, the middle mm-hmm. of the field, um, you know, uh, being able to sit in the pocket, really, uh, and, and, and do what you want. I mean, Andy Dalton had all time to throw on Sunday. That's just the reality of the situation. The Raiders have to figure out a way, and it comes down to execution and assignment football and all those types of things to close off some of the areas that other teams are exploiting, including the middle of the field and downfield, and somehow, some way whether it's the front four just playing better football uh, or, or coming up with some blitz packages, but they've got to get more consistent pressure on the quarterback. Because if not, then guys, even Trevor Lawrence, can just sit back there and pick, up, pick uh, the secondary apart. Uh, tell us about all your proud partners that give you the opportunity to do all these great radio hits that you do up and down the dial on Raider Nation Radio. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, shout out to uh, Embajador Tequila. They'll be throwing a party on uh, on Saturday night uh, for some great college football games, uh, including Clemson uh, is going to be playing Notre Dame on, uh, on on national TV. So uh, go check them out over at the Rockstar Bar and Grill. Uh, the Realty One Group uh, has always been uh, fantastic, uh, doing great things in the community. So uh, appreciate them uh, and all of their support. Thank you, Vinny. Enjoy your trip. We'll talk to you. Thank you very much.
All right. Thank you, JT. You got it. Vinny Bonsignor, live from Sarasota, man. That's some real flagship radio. We're based in Vegas with the team. Vinny's working down there and gave you everything he thought about Dave Ziegler. And again, what this is not Raider propaganda, as some trolls like to say. If they're trolling Vinny or trolling me, you know, the people that never exist, never come up to you, never come to the torch, never come to the tailgate. The trolls that like to say, well, you're just saying this because it's the Raiders. No, we're not. We're telling you what we know. And we don't get paid to be right. We just tell you what we know. We try to give you the information and give you open phone line. That's it. That's all we're trying to do. So if you believe in Dave Ziegler's plan, you can call in and say, yeah, you know, Dave seems sharp. I get what he's doing. Through seven games, I don't think we should panic and we should listen. You could be that group or you could be the lunatic that says, break it up, fire everybody, this isn't working. You need some, or you can be somewhere in between. <laughs> That's it. You know, what else am I going to do? I'm not going to come to your home and show you the plan. We're going to put you on the radio and, and talk to Vinny and other people and tell you what the plan is. And either you're going to buy into it or not. A lot of people had a plan who are no longer here. Jack Del Rio, Reggie McKenzie, Mike Mayock, John Gruden. You know, the list goes on and on. It's hard. It's a hard business. Andy Reid nailed it. He went to Kansas City. He could not win in Philly. He couldn't. And I thought he was to blame. If you look back at the career of Andy Reid, Andy Reid got to Philly and he couldn't win the big one. He was awful with clock management. I've been on the radio 26 years. I took those calls from Philly when Andy Reid didn't know how much time was left on the clock. Andy Reid didn't know how to do timeouts, and Philly loved him because he was always coaching in the playoffs. He was, went to the Super Bowl, but he couldn't win. He gets to Kansas City. They get a kid named Patrick Mahomes. They didn't get him with the first or second pick. You think Andy Reid would have had the success with any other quarterback? Any other quarterback. Alex Smith, go down the road. Donovan McNabb, all very good. Multiple Pro Bowls. They lucked out. They got Mahomes. Now Andy Reid can't lose. Even when he's having a bad year. Well, people think he's going to have a bad year. He's winning. Is that the culture of the organization? When he walks in with a Hawaiian shirt on, he's doing commercials now, right, for State Farm. Is that the culture? Okay, they've had issues with that organization. His son was just sentenced to three years, three years in jail. Or his, his, for his situation there. There have been other players there who have gotten in trouble. There have been issues there, but they win. They win games, and everybody forgets about it. It's not perfect in Kansas City, but they got a quarterback who's clearly better than everybody else in the entire league, including right now the greatest of all time in Tom Brady at this moment. And now Andy Reid's a genius. You know why he's a genius? Because most of the games are over at the start of the fourth quarter. They're up by tri- you know double digits. But I give Andy Reid credit. He got to a good organization that wanted to win, got good players. They're drafting better than the Raiders. They're getting better players than the Raiders, and they're winning. And it's Dave Ziegler's opportunity now, a very unique opportunity, with the support of Mark Davis to come on in and go get better players. Because we definitely know that Mark Davis is telling Dave and Josh, get whoever you want. If you think these guys are the best, if you think Chandler Jones is worth getting, go get him. If you want to pay Max Crosby now instead of later, go do it. So Mark Davis is giving them the opportunity to build this team the way they want to build it. And the only thing we're debating here is why are they losing games when they should win them this year? I think it's a combination. Bad luck, bad luck, bad luck. Work in progress, and in New Orleans, they didn't show up. New Orleans changed everything for all of us. It changed everything for all of us because we can no longer say they're close. 
and I wanted to be the first on the radio to do it this week, and I did it on the podcast. They could not, there's no more Derek Carr going to the microphone anywhere saying, you know, we're really close. No, no, no you're not, Derek. You're not close at all. Now you can go win games because you just won them, or if you're going to lose games, you lose them. But you can't go to the microphone saying, you know something, we're damn close. You're not damn close. You didn't get the ball past the 50. So now it's on Derek to go get the ball, not only past the 50, but get in the end zone. And I'll say it again so a website doesn't clip me right there and stop it. I believe Derek Carr can do it. I've said it his entire career. He's a gifted thrower. He's got enormous stats, yards, and touchdowns. He's got all these fourth-quarter comebacks. And he's got a lot of losses on his resume because his team hasn't been good enough and there's been a lot of turnover. That's the way I describe Derek Carr when I go on other radio shows and you don't hear me on those shows. And they go, let's go out to JT on the blank, blank listener line. And JT, come on in for 15 minutes for free in the middle of your day. Tell us about Derek Carr. And I say, you know, Derek's really good. He's won a lot of big games, but he has a subpar offensive line. He's had his fourth offensive coordinator in six years. This, that, Henry Ruggs, blah, blah, blah. All this stuff happens. And I say, I believe Derek can do it. And I'll continue to do that as long as he's here as the quarterback. And he has this talent level and he's healthy. But something wasn't right in that last game. Something in that last game did not enable Derek to take his game to the level that I've seen him be at, which would be running the football, running away, running away from adversity, and making a couple of big throws under pressure. He didn't have a chance to do that in that game. So that really hurt. Hey, most people think this is one of my best guests coming up, Bill Krakenberger, the legendary winning sports gambler. We talk about sports, how hard it is to bet, and what he's doing to win money. He wins a lot of money. He's world-renowned. He has, he has a track record. He's crack wins. He joins us next. Brought to you by MeetupVegas.com. Code word JT Brick. You got a championship level defense. Your offense can run it. Your offense can throw it. This is it. This is the opportunity. This is the window. Do you agree with that? Uh, I agree with that. On the other hand, it never works for you if it doesn't come to you. Uh, this is an area where aggressiveness, trying to go after and make something happen, uh, uh, that doesn't work. It's got to come to you, but we've got some things that are coming our way. Jerry Jones, JT, back with you, as I said, brought to you by Virgin Hotels Las Vegas, where from time to time I hang out with my next guest, Bill Krakenberger, America's favorite sports gambler. And, Crack, as we get into this, you retweeted Mattress Mac in Philly. I want to talk about this celebrity who has this much money on the line. Have you ever seen an event, it could be an NBA Finals, a Super Bowl, where one individual had this much money on one side? Explain that to us. Well, he's the most publicly that ever came forward to uh, have this kind of money on events, and it's event after event. And, you know, you got to remember, too, people just think he has that kind of money on it. Most people don't realize he's made that much by selling mattresses that's his agreement with the people that come and buy and probably pay a premium or even a markup on the mattress to, hey, if Houston wins the World Series or if Houston wins the Super Bowl or if Houston wins the NBA playoff, you get the mattress for free. So that is put into the equation. 
So he's going to make a lot of money probably the other way also, I'm sure. He's got the right numbers down at the hedge. But what they have to, you know, you have to remember now, he, he has become a celebrity here. He's lost so much money that it's unbelievable. I mean, mm-hmm. millions and millions, tens of millions wa- wagering already. And for a guy like myself, I, I welcome him. I like him in the marketplace. It helps guys like me get a better price. I mean, on the Super Bowl, we were able to literally middle the game. Anyone that was sharp that had a bankroll could middle the game because he's betting so much on one side. The sports books are forced to overmove the money line in that case. It was Caesars, the Caesars brand. And also here, if you wanted to bet the World Series here, literally you could have got 180 there for a full day of Phillies. Then 175 was just hanging there for days and days where literally you could have scalped it. You could have went and bet and laid 171 literally down the street and then bet the other way plus 175 probably for hundreds of thousands of dollars. So uh, we welcome them. The sharp guys like myself, we welcome them in the marketplace. Bill Krakenberger joins us. So, Bill, I want to get into a couple other things, too, on this. He was yelled at and screamed at in the concourse, these drunk Philly fans, and they are. Believe me, I know them. I'm from New York. I've been in that marketplace. They are drunk. They're aggressive. If you go to an Eagles game, you go there wearing the opponent's jersey, you're going to get heat. And he has security with him on top of that. But let's talk about a bigger picture about celebrities when they're gambling and lose. And I go back to Rodman at the Hard Rock, Ben Affleck, and then Charles Barkley. I used to gamble, and I I don't gamble, but I used to stand behind him and watch him lose abundance of money in Lake Tahoe at the American Century, and he was entertaining people. And it always stayed with me. I was very confused by that. He was laughing as he was losing because he was putting on a show. And at the same table, Michael Jordan and I swear to you on my kids, had his head down, would not even look at the dealer or any fans because he wanted to win every hand like it was the last hand of his life. What's with these celebrities when they want to entertain, but they're losing money? Well, yeah, you, you've talked the opposite side of the spectrum here. Both sides here on, on the seesaw, you have, on one hand, you have Charles Barkley, good guy, good tipper, uh, generous guy, and having fun. And uh, Michael Jordan, of course, can buy and sell him many times over. But then you have Michael, who is this more serious competitor against the casino, against the bookmaker, against anyone he's gambling with, and uh, doesn't really like to, to lose. And, and, and to be frank, doesn't like to tip, I heard, uh, multiple times. And, and, and so I like Barkley. He's a fun guy to be around. He's a fun guy to be with. He's having fun. And uh, he likes the spotlight there a little bit. Michael's being a little more serious there. And I understand that, too. They don't want no spotlight on them a lot. Even even when uh, Affleck comes to town here, he's he's no dummy. He's actually a sharp blackjack player. Mm-hmm. And there's one or two sports uh, casinos here in town that will take his business. Others won't. So, um, and he's very nice to the staff, the guests. He's a real big tipper. I don't keep. I don't want to keep on mentioning tipping. I apologize, but that's how I judge people a lot. If you're a tipper, if you're a good guy, uh, that, that's just how I judge people. I know Affleck's a good one as long as his wife's not around. Um, but as far as this mattress, Mac, listen, here, let me tell you how his day started out. The guy was in Atlantic City giving out free beds. I'm sure he had sponsor from uh, CLE, or I think it was CLE I read, and, and Caesar Sportsbook helped him and probably footed a lot of the bill. But Mattress Mac was at in Atlantic City in the morning in the parking lot of Harris giving out free mattresses to first responders, all the cops and firemen and anyone in town who has to deal with that type of a job, especially in, uh, let's just call it what it is, it's a war zone over there in Atlantic City. So it really is a nice thing that he did. Then he goes to the game later on, 
you really got to be careful. I mean, listen, I don't care about those. Those bodyguards are nothing compared to South Philly people. Are you kidding me? Uh, they're, they're some of the roughest. Don't forget, these are the same fans that for snowballs at Santa Claus. So um, they have jails right in the in the stadiums. They were the originators of the jails in the stadiums over there in Philly. They're a tough, passionate, hard-rooting fan. I'm surprised Mattress Mac actually went after them, started F-bombing them. It's not something I would expect. Bill Krakenberger joins us. So what is going on this year? Why are, why are gamblers losing betting sides? What's going on with all these unders this year? How are you making money? What do you notice this year, some of the trends as an NFL gambler? The last three weeks, I barely broke even. So I'll just tell you, last three weeks in a row, I know someone admits something on Twitter, they lose. Oh, my God. Yeah, last three weeks have been a struggle. The first four or five weeks was fantastic, though. I mean, for the season, I'm, I'm definitely killing them. I bet on the things that aren't under a microscope, like proposition bets, even first-half bets, maybe some quarter bets, some, some correlations. NFL sides, I've been saying it for decades, and people get mad at me. Wow, oh, my God, what are you doing? You're in the business of selling games. Why are you talking like that? You're going to cost everyone money, including yourself. Listen. That's not. I'm not a big sell promoter. I don't go on talking about that. I go on talking truthful. I'm not looking just to sell games. I'm looking for it to win. I'm looking to do what I've done every season successfully on my own betting, and I'm passing that information along to, to clients and people out there. Because uh, to be real blunt, that's exactly uh, the NFL is so hard to beat the sides this year. Look at the parity in the NFL. You have more parity now than ever. Um, there's there's a lot of different defensive schemes this year. My my analytics guys, the guys I speak to are in the know. Winning betters say the same things. There's a lot of dink and duck passes underneath. There's not that long ball no more thrown down the field for 80-yard touchdowns. The defensives have really messed, mixed it up this year. Look at the totals. Totals are it's an under year. Now, you know, very boring to watch these primetime games. Literally 58% of the games, 57% of the games are going under this year. So it's uh, – it's going to return to the mean. The, the bookmakers have lowered the lines down about a full point, point and a half on these games. I expect some return, and I expect some overs now uh, going forward. I like betting overs on the first half a little bit better. It's a little bit of a more pure number, so I do expect to be betting some overs. Wrapping it up with crack, Bill Krakenberger, America's favorite sports gambler. So here's another problem I have, and I work it out with you, and you kind of walk me off the ledge because I don't bet, but I try to put great gaming content on my shows. So I'm driving around on Saturday running some errands, and when I started off in radio, I didn't get a break. I won a contest, a caller contest on the Jim Rome Show, a stockbroker. I had to quit a six-figure job to start off at twenty-five grand and work overnights, midnight to five. It was not easy, and then I had to grind it from there on top. So I'm driving around this weekend, and I'm listening to some gambling guys, and they're young, and no one's ever heard of these guys, but they're getting a chance. They're on the radio talking gambling, and I hear this guy sounded like and he talked about he's at 22 23 okay so if he's working the weekends in radio and you're 22 and 23 believe me you have no bankroll i can promise you that number two he says i'm on cal cal getting the points and i i start listening i go he's on cal what does he mean he's on cal is he betting five ten a hundred what what's he betting and he never says it and then they go on to the next game and i'm fascinated when we talk about all these new young people getting into sports gambling and media, and they just throw around numbers, and I'm on this team, and I was on this team last night. They don't tweet the ticket. They don't back it up. They don't tell you they won or lost. Like you just said, it's been a tough three weeks. 
Because the program directors, the people in this industry who are younger too, they've never done sports gambling. So they don't know how to teach the host how to do it correctly and talk about the games that matter. How do you listen to this when you're in this business and hear people with no track record tell you that they won and they don't tell you that they lose? You just broke it down so beautifully. That should be literally framed and shellacked. That's exactly right. It's the program directors, it's the people involved that don't know about gambling, too, that are putting these talking heads on stations, on media, on podcasts. And it's a shame to the the new younger generation that's coming out there that's trying to find some good factual information. You're probably not going to find it on Twitter or on on, on a, a podcast or it's tough. Now, I listen to, to a couple podcasts a week, but I, I really, and I'm open to learning, by the way, but I really can't learn too much, especially from these guys that, let me tell you, you're talking about ones that bet. At least they bet a little bit. Uh, most of them don't, the more percentage of them that don't even bet, that are giving out information, acting like they're betting or talking like they're betting. No one posts their tickets, as you say. Of course not. No one wants to post anything. Um, I can't, I, I actually will post tickets once in a while, but I don't want to act like I'm betting five, ten thousand, three thousand on game, whatever it is. So I kinda really don't do it myself. But people that know me, people that follow me realize I move the line. Stuff I'm involved in is major syndicate stuff, major sports betting syndicate stuff. But you're right. Things you see and things you hear, especially on all these networks, gambling networks, I I, I don't even understand how these people go on because they don't even bet and you know there's more people out there, especially the young ones now. They they wouldn't even know how to bet proper, <laughs> properly if right. they did have anything. You know, they wouldn't even know how to properly bet, how to get in, how to get in the right numbers, how to bet amounts. Don't forget, the, the largest sports-winning gamblers in the world, they have like a 5% edge. So, therefore, literally every $1,000 they bet, they have to get down, win 50 bucks. 50 bucks can't pay the bills. Crack, last one. Leave us with something early heading into the first holiday Thanksgiving when – some of the charlatans at the casinos invite you in for a turkey. They invite you in for a card. Hey, they want you to come in, man. You know, get a little Thanksgiving at the buffet or all this. What should our listeners be looking for if they want some value heading into the holidays with these casinos that obviously want foot traffic? They want people playing the slots. They'll give away an appetizer. They want you in the building. What should we look out for? Yeah, you know, it, it's amazing. It's a great question. I love the spontaneous radio here. This is so so good because... Every time I walk into a local casino, especially, uh, but the bigger ones do it too on the strip, but the local ones giving out a set of steak knives or, a, you know, a skinny uh, $14 turkey, people think that people will line up for anything free, anything. They will line up just to think they're getting something, and they all know, hey, they gave us this turkey. I have to eat. I have to, I'm, I'm going to eat the turkey. I have to gamble. So now they go in and they say, oh, you know, they gamble, and they're spending, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 times more losing than, than, than the free set of steak knives is. It's just, it, it is. It's a great point. And, um, you know, bankroll management is everything. The hardest thing to do is to leave a casino losing with more money in your pocket. Therefore, my advice, don't bring that money. And don't bring your ATM cards. Because not only that, you're going to lose another 3 4 5 8% getting the money out of your ATM. Do not gamble over your head. Bring exactly what you want you think you should lose. And this way you don't, you're not faced with that choice. Well, I have more money. Should I gamble? So that's my biggest thing. It's a hard thing to do, though. I know human nature and, and, and us as humans, we love to just get even and go home. That is brilliance, everybody. And I had nothing to do with it. Crack, I'll see you in Vegas over the holidays. Let's get a dinner or a lunch together. Miss you, my Absolutely. friend. Keep killing it. Thank you, buddy.
There he is, Bill Krakenberger, man, that is damn good. He is just, that's what gambling talk should sound like, that guy. That guy has nothing to hide, nothing to hide. He gambles with syndicates, this, that, doesn't have anything to hide, wins, loses, tells you in the beginning it's been a rough couple of weeks here. But I'm just fascinated about the media side of this. I'm not knocking people getting into the business. I mean, the business has changed since I got into it. Now people are getting in and they're board ops and they're clapping in the background and they're trying to get on and do that. Whatever way you can get on the radio, get on the radio. I had to do it the hard way, weekend overnights, okay? I had to do it the hard way. Now people are trying to cut the line and they're trying to get into this gambling talk and they have no idea what they're doing and they, they don't know how to make it fun and entertaining because they're talking about Utah State, Fresno State. Goodbye. Talk about LeBron. Talk about the Eagles 7-0. and Who could beat them? Something like that. Keep people entertained. And it's the beginning of this. Sports gambling has just started. Just started. Almost hours ago, days ago, weeks ago. as something big. Everybody wants to get into it. DraftKings, FanDuel, casinos, and all this. And some of it's okay. But it's a lot of tryout. And a lot of people are trying out. And maybe that's my advice to you. If you want to get into my business, want to get into media, try out on gambling radio. Because they're letting anybody do it. And some are okay because they're, they're pretty sharp. But everybody else is getting in a platform to tell you how to bet on games. And you're so much smarter than them. Thanks to Bill Krakenberg. Appreciate him coming on as always. That the Castaverde Law Group will be telling you a lot more about them coming up. Our new personal injury attorneys. Michael looks to the back door. Theodore cutting. He scores. Eichel to Theodore. The Knights win it in overtime. 3-2 Vegas. Oh, I love that. Oh, that's so good. I mean, that's a good win. Eichel to Theodore. How great is that? That's exactly what this team needs to do. That's exactly what they need to do. You have a superstar in Eichel, one of the best scorers in the league, right? A franchise, face of the franchise. And Theodore, one of the best defensemen in the league, and they win the game in overtime with small, you know, expanded ice because of how they're playing. I love it. I think the Golden Knights are putting so many wins under their belt here, doing so many great things. It's really cool. Uh, This is big news for us here in Vegas. Here's why. This is not a bandwagon town. It's a new professional sports town. UNLV's been here a long time. Boxing, Ali fought here all the time. It's not bandwagon. It's a great sports town. But now we have professional teams. And everybody's worried about the Golden Knights going into the offseason last year. Look at the start they're off to. Get your tickets and get in there. Enjoy it. It's going to be a great hockey team. They're having a great season so far. That should encourage you going to all these games upcoming. Big Al joins us in San Francisco. Always good to hear from him. What's happening? Uh, JT, just kind of getting back in the swing of things from spending four days out of the out of the country, down in Guadalajara for mm. the Dia de la Muerte celebrations, which is a big thing in Mexico, the Day of the Dead. It's a happy celebration. It doesn't sound that way by the name, but it's a happy celebration. Nice. People remember their past family and friends who have passed on, and it's really more of a joyous time than, than, uh, than mm. what the name might possibly sound to us here in the United States. But, you know, while I was away, I was kind of monitoring uh, some of the things that were going on in the NBA because of my involvement with the Warriors. And I kind of came to the conclusion that this is Kyrie Irving's farewell tour. 
And all of you that love to see that man with the handles, because he might have the best handles in the league, and many would say maybe the best ever, you might as well go out and buy a ticket and go enjoy it because there's no saving him from coming back into the league next year after his contract. So between the, there's just incredible amounts of damage, starting what happened in Cleveland, going into Boston, and then all his ridiculousness about not wanting to play with vaccinations and, and now the, the, recent, the recent anti-Semitic mm-hmm. comments or support of anti-Semitic behavior. Um, I think that uh, he's not going to be able to play in the league again. Uh, they, they can't suspend them. They could try, but it might probably won't work. But I think that there's two places you know he, where he won't be next year. One yeah. will be here in the United States playing in the, best, in the best basketball league in the world. And the second will be playing in the Israeli basketball league, because I don't think that one's going to work out very well for him either. Um, look for him to be in China, which is a place where... Really? You, know, where you, think, you, you think, Big Al, that Kyrie can't apologize what he did and i think it's repulsive by the way other people just think it's freedom of speech whatever you think it's going to get that bad that Kyrie won't be playing for joe side with brooklyn and he'll be out of the league another team won't take a run at him um about 18 19 years ago the trail spreewell was offered a fairly sizable contract and then he came out with his uh you know his comment mm-hmm. i gotta feed my family it was like a 21 million dollar contract at the time and uh, Luttrell never saw the never saw yeah. the NBA. In fact, he never saw anything globally after that. Uh, the things that that Irving has done, he's made himself so incredibly difficult to deal with, whether freedom of speech or otherwise. That um, is there any is there really any team in the league that's going to want to touch him? He went home to Brooklyn. He's from just across the water in Jersey City. He went basically ten miles from where he grew up. And he screwed this whole thing up through just uh, some very strange decision-making processes. I think that the Nets are going to be like, "Good riddance, we got to start this thing over again." And if we if we keep if we're going to keep Durant, that's great, but we can't keep this other guy because we're just a walking sideshow. Thanks, my friend. Appreciate it. Thank you, Big Al, checking in. That's a crack at Kyrie from a guy who's involved in the NBA. Ernest, you're up next. Wrap it up. Thanks for calling the flagship of the Raiders. Go ahead. Yeah, hey, uh, JT, uh, longtime Raider fan, covered the Raiders here in Southern California, do the SoCal Raider Report. Just got back from New Orleans, and i uh, got to tell you, man, talked to a lot of Raider fans on the way home. It was an ugly ride. Um, this, mm-hmm. this season reminds me of 1988, when the Raiders tried to go with Shanahan. Complete, unmitigated disaster. That's my first point. You can agree disagree. I really don't care. Number mm-hmm. two, I really feel like moving forward, Mark Davis doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Goodbye, 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 goodbye. I don't know what you do in your Raider platform. I've never heard of you, and I don't mind that. But don't come on my show and on the flagship of the team and mock the owner. You could say that the team isn't doing well, this or that, but this is not a platform. It never has been. It never will be. Mark Davis is my friend. He's the owner of the team. He writes my check. You will not use my platform. You can criticize them all you want with the record, but when you make it personal and you go that way, you're done. So tell me about your blog again. Tweet me your podcast or whatever you're doing. I'm sure it's good for your audience. This is a much bigger audience that has a lot more respect than that phone call. Great job, Bobby. I don't know how you did it today. Mike North, Bill Krakenberger, Vinny Bonsignor, Russell Baxter, the football guru. That's pretty good radio, man. Good job. Uh, tomorrow, I have a Jaguar insider. I got two. I'll tell you the one tomorrow. Bill Williamson, the longtime 
writer for the Raiders and insider, Lee Sterling. He gave you the game of the year last week. The game of the year last year. Patriots over the Jets and won. 50-unit play. And uh, whoever else I can find to talk with me on the radio. Cues on deck. Have a great day, everybody. Good to go. All right, you got it.